Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. This week we are going to look at the week of 4th Easter. 4th Easter. There are seven weeks in Easter and then we celebrate the day of Pentecost. So we start off with Easter Day where Christ is resurrected from the dead on that Sunday and then we go through that week through Saturday and then the second week is week of 2nd Easter, then 3rd, uh, then 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th, and then we have the day of Pentecost. Now the day of Pentecost is in Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit comes down on those uh, waiting in the upper room. Jesus has ascended into heaven after 40 days, so on the 50th day the Holy Spirit comes. So we will be looking at scriptures this week from the end of Exodus. We'll be looking at Exodus 28 and 32, 33, 34, and 40. You'll see these scriptures listed in our post. They are not, we are not looking at every single scripture or every single uh, chapter in, uh, at the end of Exodus. These are hand-picked. So if you want to do more reading, please do so. Secondly, for our New Testament reading, we'll be looking at Colossians, the end of Colossians. And then we'll start a study of 1 Thessalonians, Paul's letter to the Colossians, Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. And then thirdly, our gospel reading, we have been in the book of Matthew, third Easter. We were in Matthew chapter 1 through 4, and in fourth Easter, we are looking at Matthew 5. That's it, Matthew 5. And if you'll remember, Matthew 5, 6 and 7 are the Sermon on the Mount. So we'll take our time going through the Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest teachings uh, of any religion in all of history, and very, very important in our Christian understanding of Christ and the way he wants us to live. All right, let's go back to our Old Testament reading in Exodus. As you've heard me say before, the Psalms are also listed in the post, but the Psalms um, in the uh, Book of Common Prayer are listed with doing morning prayer and evening prayer. I don't respond to the Psalms because the uh, program would be way too long, but I certainly recommend reading the Psalms on a regular basis, and so you may want to read those in conjunction with the daily readings. Exodus 28. Now, what's happening uh, right now in Exodus is they have uh, moved from Goshen, led by Moses, uh, crossing the Red Sea, uh, they were in bondage in Egypt for a very long period of time, plus 400 years. Moses leads them out of Egypt and to the promised land. And now God is sharing with them the uh, way that he wants them to live, the way he wants them to worship. He's going to be, we've set up the Ten Commandments, for example, in Exodus chapter 20. Uh, in Leviticus, which we'll be looking at uh, soon, we'll be looking at how to deal with sin. And in chapters 28, we're looking at the priestly garments, the garments uh, worn by the priest, and then we're also looking at uh, how those garments are going to be made and what they're about and, and uh, how they're going to be put together and what they're going to be called and what uh, they're supposed to make. Now, he's setting up the priesthood. He's setting up the tabernacle. He's setting up eventually the temple. And this is how I want you to, I, God, want you to worship me. This is how I want you to function as a community. Now, just as a quick aside, churches, uh, denominations in the Christian faith have been discussing for 
a couple of millennia now, what is the relationship between the Old Testament understanding of worship and our New Testament understanding of worship, plus, again, our contemporary understanding of worship? It's a fascinating issue, and again, far beyond what we're trying to do in, the, in this daily lectionary. But I think uh, these readings, but I think what you'll be interested in is how God has set it up in the Old Testament. In chapter 32, please turn to chapter 32. Now, chapter 32 um, is a very interesting chapter and a very re regrettable chapter in Israel's life because of the golden calf. The people of Moses, people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, Mount Sinai. So they are uh, near Mount Sinai, and um, he says, Come make us gods who will go before us. Come make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them, brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods of Israel who brought you out of Egypt. So what happened was, Moses is up in Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments and worshiping God, and they were down making a golden calf. The Lord said to Moses in verse 7 of chapter 32, Go down because your people whom you brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. They, are, they have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, O Israel, who bought, brought you out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are stiff-necked people. Now, leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But then Moses seeks the favor of God. This is a fascinating chapter. And he says, Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by yourself. Verse 13. Verse 14. Then the Lord relented. Moses appealed to them, you don't, please don't do this. This is not a good idea. The Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Verse 16, the tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. Okay? And so what happened was in verse 19, Moses approaches the camp. He saws the calf, sees the calf and the dancing. His anger burned. He threw the tablets out of his hands. He broke them in pieces at the foot of the mountain. He says to Aaron, verse 21, What did these people do to you that you led them into such great sin? And Moses leads them into a great sin. And then the Lord is going to enact a severe punishment against them. Look at verse 33. Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. I will lead the people to the place I spoke of, and my angel will go before you. However, when the time comes for me to punish, I will punish them for their sin. And so we see in chapter 32 this tremendous problem that is before Israel. When Moses leads them, leaves them as their leader, what they do is they make this golden calf. And in the making of that golden calf, they sin against the Lord. Look at the last verse. 
And the Lord struck the people with a plague because of what they did with the calf that Aaron had made. Now, it is a very dangerous thing, brothers and sisters, to go against the Lord because he has the power to bring natural disasters against you as he did with the plagues of Egypt. He has the power to bring plagues. He has the power to destroy. He has literally the power to end someone's life. So you want to be obedient to the Lord. You want to trust in him. You want to do his will even though you don't want to. I know that's a hard thing to do. But that is one of the key things that we see in the Old Testament. The people that were faithful and the people that were not faithful. The consequences to being faithful to the Lord, the consequences to um, do your own thing and to not follow the Lord. In chapter 33, we have the tent of meeting, the Moses and the glory of the Lord. And this is the glory of God is displayed to Moses in the second half of chapter 33. It's a beautiful um, beautiful line. Um, Show me your glory, he says in verse uh, 18. Verse 19, the Lord says, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will reclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But you cannot see my face, he says in verse 20 of chapter 33, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. So he sees the glory of the Lord. And this is one of the great uh, theological truths of the Bible is to see the glory of God Almighty in the New Testament to see the glory of Jesus. And we saw that in the Mount of Transfiguration, for example when his clothes were dazzling white and his face shone like the sun. So the glory of God is a very powerful, very important truth, and Moses sees it in the second half of 33. In 34, we have two stone tablets. Remember, the other ones were destroyed when he came down the mountain. And I will write on them the words that were written on the first tablets, which you broke. Verse 6. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. See what I'm saying? He's going to deal with the guilty. That's why it's important to ask for forgiveness. That's why it's important to repent. That's why it's important to say that you're sorry. You will receive and I will receive forgiveness. But... If the guilt remains and we do not confess our sins, then God's condemnation is upon us. Please repent. And so chapter 34 continues that conversation with the new stone tablets. And we see that through the, we see again the radiant face of Moses uh, when he speaks with the Lord in verse 29 of chapter 34. When Moses comes down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets, He was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. So the radiant face of Moses, he actually put a veil on his face in verse uh, 33 of chapter 34. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the face and veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went to speak with the Lord. So we see the glory of God. We see the glory of God in Moses. 
We see the result of Moses' being with the Lord and what that produced. We see what happens when you're not with the Lord, when you're not listening to your leader, when you're not listening to God. You make golden calves. You make idols. You form idols. You turn away from God Almighty. You turn away from God Almighty. Remember that first commandment, no other gods before me. Make no other gods. And unfortunately, they did, and there were great consequences. Finally, we have chapter 40, chapter 40, 18 to 38 on your post. The glory of the Lord again, the glory of the Lord again, the tabernacle, the setting up of the tabernacle and the presence of the Lord in the tabernacle. And of course, this is the end of the book. Let's read those last several verses. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So we see the glory of God in Israel. We see the glory of God in uh, manifested with uh, Moses. We see the radiance of uh, the glory of God when Moses and the Lord are together. Then we see the glory of God at the end of Exodus. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, verse 36, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So, the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the house of Israel during all their travels. So they knew that God was there. They set up the tabernacle, which was, is where he was located, okay? And so remember we talked about the cloud by day and the fire by night. God was manifest. They could see something significant, and they dare not go beyond that. If they did then there were severe consequences. As long as they stayed with what the Lord was saying, there was tremendous blessing. So the book of Exodus, we finished the book of Exodus. It's a fabulous book, very important book in the Old Testament and has great ramifications in the New Testament. That's why it's a good book, an important book to know. Let's finish our book, Colossians, which we celebrated last week in the week of third Easter. The book of Colossians is a fabulous uh, epistle by Paul. Colossians chapter 3, 18 to 4, 6, which is again in your um, post, on your post in this program. Chapter 3, 18 talks about wives and husband and children and slaves. Chapter 4, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. That's a great idea. Verse 5 of chapter 4, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. That's a good idea. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Wouldn't it be fabulous if all of us could do that all the time? Verse 6, and then he has some final greetings to them. And of course, we conclude in chapter 4 of Colossians. So as we're reading these epistle readings, a lot there's a lot of doctrine. There's two things there. There's doctrine and there's a way God wants us to live. Usually uh, these books start off with uh, copious amounts of doctrine and then they move into the second half of the book often with how are we supposed to live out this doctrine. Now that we know what we believe, what are we supposed to do? 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 2, three, and four. Now, as you're going through these books, uh, First Thessalonians, uh, of course, there's a second Thessalonians because it's the first Thessalonians. Uh, the first Thessalonians has five chapters. Second Thessalonians has three chapters. 
And what you want to do is, again, read it slowly. There may be some notes at the bottom of your Bible. If you have a study Bible, you might pick out a commentary or devotion in reading these. But just get a flavor of the text. Read the text slowly. Prayerfully consider it. uh, And I'll pick out some key passages for you. Verse 3 of chapter 1. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith, hope, and love. So the Thessalonians were folks that Paul ministered to in the book of Acts. He had some problems. He, um, he had some um, concerns with the Thessalonians uh, in terms of his time spent there. Um, and uh, he writes them back to see how they were doing. He spent some time there, but it's not as much time as he wanted to. Uh, again, he ran into some opposition, as he often did. So he would write letters to folks uh, in response to problems that they had or questions that they had, or just to see how they were doing. So Paul was very pastoral in terms of responding to uh, the people of God, uh, the places that he visited, the responses that he got when they turned to Christ. Uh, He says in verse uh, 4, Brothers beloved by God, we know that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. So the word of God goes out. The people receive the word. They set up a church family. Paul then continues to minister to that group of people, offering them uh, doctrinal guidance and practical guidance about how to live their Christian life. So he becomes their mentor. He becomes uh, the person that's teaching them. He also sends his people to help them along in their journey. And then people are raised up out of the community of which he's addressing. Philippians, Colossians, Romans, Thessalonians, Um, and those people uh, become the leaders of the community, all right? So we start with Paul, we start with the gospel message, the reception of the message, and then they continue to grow in Christ. Chapter 2 and 3 are just wonderful ways of how we can serve the Lord. He talks about some of the problems that they're having. He's sending Timothy in chapter 3. We sent Timothy, who is our brother, God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Just what I said. So these people, uh, his people, not only Paul, but he's got people like Timothy, Barnabas, Silas, uh, John Mark, and others who are on these journeys with him. And they are helping Paul, Titus uh, is another, uh, helping Paul in uh, maturing the faith, going He can't be at all these places at one time, going to these places and going to these cities and ministering to the people, to the Christians in that town. Uh, Verse 13 of chapter 3, May he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all of his holy ones. Now, one of the things that they were concerned about was the coming of the Lord. And this subject is way bigger than the time we have. But just notice as you're reading through 1st Thessalonians, and particularly the beginning of the 2nd Thessalonians, that the coming of the Lord is a pretty big issue. Um, but uh, let me mention another scripture to you in chapter 4, which is on a Saturday. It is God's will that you should be holy, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body that a way, in a way that's holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God, 
God did not call us, verse 7, to be impure, but to live a holy life. It matters how we live, brothers and sisters. It matters how we live. And so the New Testament readings uh, in Paul's letters, his 13 letters to the churches and individuals like Titus and, and Timothy, are for us so that we can learn the doctrine of the faith. We have knowledge of the doctrine of the faith, but we know how to live the faith out. So I hope you'll enjoy 1 Thessalonians this week. Finally, let's look at Matthew 5. Now, Jesus has been baptized. He's been led in the desert. Uh, he's been led in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights in the beginning of chapter 4 of Matthew. He has begun his ministry. He's, um, he is healing the sick. He's called the first disciples. And now he goes in chapter 5. He goes up a mountainside and sits down, and he begins to teach. And so he's going to teach in 5, 6, and 7. Now, did this all happen in one sitting? Probably not. Probably not. It probably happened in several sittings, and then Matthew put them together, okay? And so he begins with the Beatitudes, which are just fabulous, and you've probably heard them before many times. Blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the merciful, they should be shown mercy, etc. Those are beautiful to meditate upon. And so what Matthew is going to do, as you will see in your post, he just has little short pericopes. We call them little paragraphs, pericopes, of information that Jesus is going to speak about. So he begins with the Beatitudes, blessed are. Then we go to being the salt of the earth and the light of the world, a great way to live your life. The fulfillment of the law and how he and the law fit together. He's going to talk about murder and adultery and divorce and oaths. Quite strong. Remember, we looked at the law in Exodus 20 and in Exodus 32 when uh, uh, Moses came down with the, with the law and he broke them in pieces, but in 34... He has new tablets, so the law is very important to the people of Israel, Deuteronomy. But then an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, retribution, he has an answer to that. And then finally, at the end of the chapter, chapter 5, he talks about loving your enemies, which is about as difficult a thing to do as you can imagine. As you're reading chapter 5 of Matthew, you're thinking about how to live in a different way. You're thinking about, this is the way that Jesus wants me to live. The law says this, I say this. Here's what the law says. Here's what I want you to do. Here's a famous line, for example. 27, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in your heart, in their heart. It's a pretty tough statement in it. Don't commit adultery, Jesus adds to it. And then he talks about the importance of of not sinning against the Lord and doing what the Lord says. His words about divorce have been characteristically hard too and difficult. So you want to hear these words. You may want to do some study and some research into what they mean. Uh, I just want to introduce them to you and have you think about them over the next several weeks. We'll be looking at the, at the uh, chapters 5 and chapter 6 and chapter 7 of uh, Matthew which gives us the, ten, the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Enjoy your reading this week. We're finishing up on Exodus. We're finishing up on Colossians. We are starting 
uh, the book of First Thessalonians, reading the first four chapters, and then finally focusing all week on the first uh, section of the Sermon on the Mount, chapter five. Next week, we'll be looking at week of five Easter and a set of new scriptures. God bless you and have a wonderful week in the Lord.